Hello, hello. Leafs talk tonight. No, no Bunkus, no Bourne, no McKee. You got Cuthbert and you got Gunning <laughs> with you here. A 4-3 loss to the Jackets. Sexy stuff on a Saturday night. We don't get a Chikrin trade and we have to watch the Leafs lose. Other than that, just an awesome way to spend my Saturday. Uh, Cuthbert, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, we're down to number four, number five here in no particular order. I guess it's a big weekend. Are there other things going on here? Super Bowl, maybe some Saturday night parties leading into the Super Bowl. Either way, it wasn't necessarily a party, at least in the second and third period for the Leafs. Uh, that was actually pretty ugly, pretty surprisingly ugly, especially after what we saw on Friday night. Yeah, forget Friday night as well. You even throw it back to the first period, right? And I'm just I'm just looking at the chronological order of my Leafs notes, and it looks like the old Brian Burke 18-wheeler falling off a cliff. I've got <laughs> Nylander looks great, gets the goal early. He deserves it. Kerfoot flying, and then, oh, no, it just it takes a big, big downward spike, and there's pretty much nothing positive uh, a after that moment. It was nice to see them come out. It was nice to see him have jump, and then you just completely wonder where it went. Now, it's all Always tough doing like wide sweeping proclamations but if you're somebody who thinks oh that's a soft team that doesn't know how to dig in well that game kind of gives you all the ammo you need I'm not saying that's where I'm at but boy it's uh after a night like that it, it is kind of easy to connect the dots that way well, I think we've been kind of waiting for this, right? Like, they've been pretty good during this uh, absence for Austin Matthews. But when you're able to cover over it, when you're able to get the goal scoring, when you're able to play that good defensive brand and your goaltender's playing really well, and Samsonov has, to this point, played really, really well during this absence, which, well, there was a huge break within this absence for Austin Matthews, kind of forgot about the fact that, yeah, it's pretty thin. And when pushed against the wall, which they surprisingly were in the second period versus Columbus, it didn't look like they were able to really get back into the game. Of course, they had that nice goal with uh, Marner, or Nylander finding Marner, who found Riley to get them back into it. But it seemed like you kind of run out of options, at least a little quicker when you're without Austin Matthews. And I think if you do fall behind, if you are in the chase position even against a team like Columbus with this Maple Leafs team without Austin Matthews without the lead dog it can look a little bit different well that's been the thing about this team right is like we always talk about can they defend can they dig in can they you know survive a physical test can they score a goal in a game they have to win like I know they got three of them tonight but again it keeps coming up for this team of can you get some depth scoring can somebody squeak one across when things get tighter and you know uh, it's again I don't want to make this all out to be a referendum on the season or anything like that it's a back-to-back -back. you're going to have clunkers like this you don't have Matthews in the lineup all of these things are definitely part of it but I'd be lying if the if the secondary scoring or at least you know first first scoring is something that doesn't concern me and you know it's the thing I've been jumping to after all of these games without Matthews is just boy you know any team will look bad without their number one center I understand that but boy they look thin and again Alex Kerfoot like I don't even think he was the problem but when you're looking at him to be a guy who maybe not drives play but is really complimentary to a guy like Nylander and you need him you're relying on him it's just it's just such such a tough spot to put him because he's not that guy so yeah you know I I look at a game like tonight and I think okay maybe they they need some help on the back end in terms of clearing things out but it all goes back to that forward and you know you and I've talked about this before but they just they need some extra scoring help because it's just too much to put on without Matthews in the lineup now basically three guys 
Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't think that this game or this like little series that they're having here with Columbus kind of underscores that the most. Like, I think we've understood that. I think when you look at this team, we've kind of known that one more forward thrown into the mix would get them towards optimization. But taking anything real from this game and this little series, I, I kind of find it hard to do because... Uh, you're right for four periods when your scribbles start to get a little bit more violent in the second and third tonight, like until the second period started, we're just looking at like a completely grotesque Columbus team that can't even against reserves. I would say against the Maple Leafs can even like put up a fight, but then something did click. And I, I, I don't know if it was Columbus. I don't know if it was the Maple Leafs, but I, I can, I can like understand why there would be a second period dip. I mean, you've just cruised through the Columbus Blue Jackets for four periods. And maybe it's hard to keep that standard where the game devolves into something or the competition devolves into something that it really hasn't been or shouldn't be at the NHL level. Like if we're looking at the first four periods of this, again, mini series, Columbus like didn't look like they even wanted to be there and something clicked for them. And I don't know if they had a response, the Leafs being, uh, I don't know if they had a response when really uh, you, you'd like to see them adapt. But then again, we're coming back after nine nights, second half of a back-to-back. Maybe Columbus was just able to find the adjustment and the Leafs weren't tonight. Yeah, there's there's definitely something to that. And again, I don't want to make this out to be the be all and end all. But again, I look at it and I think that you're you're right. You know, you can't ask the the stars to just skill the skill it up for six straight periods against the team. At a certain point, there is going to be pushback. There is going to be, you know, buy in, dig in all that stuff from the other team. So there's definitely something to that. I I just think it, it goes back to what we've said about the construction of the bottom half of this lineup. The idea of, you know, when the game gets that way. And look, the Leafs, you know, even their bottom six should be more than talented enough to just outskill the Blue Jackets. But that wasn't happening tonight. And then when it does turn into more of a crash and bang game, it's like, of course, there's old Boston Bruins, Sean Corrali stripping one out in the <laughs> slot. And it's just it just feeds so heavily into the narrative of is the bottom six kind of the right fit. But I, I think you're right to uh, to point that out, that you don't want to have kind of wide sweeping judgments. Um, obviously, I think something that a lot of people were looking at heading into this one was Joe Wall. Uh, I You know, I'm not going to kill him for it. It also wasn't a night where he you know came in here and stole the game or kept the minute the the weird goal the 4-3 ends up being the winner you know you can't you can't hold that against them at all it's not a high stick but it's basically a high stick tip there what'd you make a wall tonight yeah I mean you can't really blame him for too much I, I you know where he's trying to find the puck in his pads or right in front of him in the crease and he can't quite corral it and it comes out like is that walls far fault or is that the 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 part of the defensive coverage which was real sloppy I thought in the second and third period you're right nothing you're going to do about that Kent Johnson goal but you know I, I don't really have any hot takes based on how Joseph Wall played like I, I have no reservations of running him out there again like let's see it let's see what this guy can do was this a, a performance to write home about not by any stretch of the imagination but was I like scared off was I a little reluctant to see it happen again no I, th- I, th- I think it was fine it could have been polished up a little bit and I expect him to actually get better when he gets more starts if in fact he does get a few more opportunities here with Matt Murray remaining in this uh you know uh, this uh shroud of secrecy in this uh uh this injury situation that he's dealing with right now so uh, yeah a lot of focus was on wall coming in 
I don't think he really did anything to push you one way or the other, but I tend to be the guy that's an apologist for a goaltender that gives up four goals at a spot when I think his teammates let him down. If you give up four goals, especially against a Columbus Blue Jackets team, yeah, they're definitely things to nitpick. De- depending on who the goaltender is, I am either a massive apologist or oh, self-serving. To- it's all about or, self-serving, right? Or the first to throw somebody under the bus. If Matt Murray, who you know I'm down on right now, only because he's not Ilya Samsonov, if he would have had that exact night, I'd be going, you got to find a way. It's about battling. It's the Jackets. What are you doing? You have to figure it out. But with Joe Wall and his what? fourth NHL start definitely first this year Uh, I think I think you're right you do want to see him again on the high stick goal I think that's the right call I think they had to go with whatever they called on the ice it felt really nitpicky and honestly my barometer on these things is all and you you know me well enough a bit now to know that I think this is a fair one if even I can't talk myself into it going the Leafs way I I think they probably made the right call what do you what'd you make on that one yeah there's no way I don't think that you could take the replays that we at least saw and determine that it was definitely over the bar. I think there's a chance it was, but the contact was actually like so far away from the crossbar that it was kind of difficult to measure that. But you're right. It was so far down the stick that, yeah, you saw that there was part of the stick. The blade was definitely over the bar, but where the puck hit exactly when it like kind of got camouflaged in the, in the, the black part or the black paint on the stick. I don't think you could really tell for sure. So, I mean, if that was called back against the Leafs, we'd be up in arms. So uh, if you're going to use the same standard for both, which you should, which we don't always do, uh, I definitely think that one should have been called rightfully a goal, which it was, of course. I always wondered why the guys, you know, I mean, I'm sure the answer is really just because it looks cool. But now I, I'm happy to know that there's an actual reason why guys need to spray paint their sticks. I mean, I'm sure that, again, the answer is because it looks cool and they're bored. They got nothing better to do all day. Uh, but I'm happy that that, well, I'm actually sad about it. But, I, I, you know, it's nice that it paid dividends uh, for, for Kent Johnson there. You know, one thing I, I noticed, and this is going back a little bit to the to the game last night as well, is that, you know, so much of the Leafs and what we've talked about there resurgence and what you've liked to see from them this year in the defensive buy-in has been not just the guys lower in the lineup in terms of what you get out of camp but it's been the high-end guys and you know that bunting Marner and JT line it's been getting hemmed in a, a little bit now again you know they get their chances and obviously they carry the bulk of the play but it's just for a team that you're playing here in the Blue Jackets where there's no matchup you you shouldn't be winning against that group a little concerning to see them it just feels like there's been two or three moments in each of the last couple of games where they've kind of got hemmed in there and again it's like am I being a little nitpicky yes but you're making me talk about this uh well not you like, we got to talk about this Jack <laughs> yeah game. yeah well it's all the Austin Matthews domino like it it does you know it, it affects everything right like if you look at the ideal situation or ideal matchup sort of situation for the Maple Leafs an Austin Matthews anchored line is going to take on the top competition of the other team. That's what you kind of want. You want fire versus fire. You get Austin Matthews versus their best. Maybe they want to put a checking line or you want to put a checking line on the second best line on the opposition. And that is all designed to free up a guy like John Tavares to feast on inferior competition at this stage of his career. Yeah. Eight years ago, you wanted, he was in the Matthews hole where he was going head to head with the best Sidney Crosby, everybody else there in the metropolitan division. That was his job. Now his job is to be a weapon. John Tavares is supposed to be a weapon, someone who can feast against lesser competition and give you mismatches on the ice because Matthews is going to give you a mismatch despite or no matter who he's going to be up against. So the fact that Matthews is out 
means harder competition for John Tavares, means more moments where it looks like they're getting hemmed in. And I think they've fallen into that, that trap a little bit recently where John Tavares has to do a little bit more, has to worry about a little bit more. And that's probably why Mitch Marner and William Nylander have been the guys who've been really, really uh, the standout guys over the last couple weeks here where Austin Matthews has been on the shelf. And again, there's been a little break there with Austin Matthews on the shelf. But as we you know, bookend the All-Star break in the bye week, we've kind of seen moments, I think you're right, where John Tavares has a little bit more to deal with, and that does affect his play just a little bit. Yeah, you, you mentioned Marner there, and obviously, you know, he's he's – He's really, I don't even want to say come a long way. It's just been really steady progression of his defensive game as he's growing as an NHL player. But I got to give him his due here. You know, I'm not, again, this isn't an earth-shattering news. Uh, Mitch Marner, good vision and a good passer. We we all know it. But with Matthews out of the lineup, I think it just allows it to kind of take center stage a, a little bit more. I mean, you look at the play he makes to set up Tavares last night. You look at the play he makes to set up Morgan Riley uh, on the power play goal tonight. It's just his vision's incredible. The way he's able to suck guys in and you know I think sometimes we take it for granted with with Matthews and when he's going and you know it's just part of this four-headed monster now that Marner's kind of at the at the absolute tip of the spear right now he's been remarkable the past couple of games even though you know I am going to nitpick the the defensive stuff here and there yeah I mean uh, the some of the goals that he set up obviously over the last two nights brilliant stuff and and the stuff that not only he can make happen on the Leafs or NHL wide, but stuff that is pretty specific to Mitch Martyr. Uh, the vision on that or on that uh, Morgan Riley goal, uh, outstanding. I, and I feel the same way, really, about William Nylander. I think he can shine a little bit more outside of the Austin Matthews situation, outside of the Austin Matthews partnership on many occasions. And I had this thought watching the game today, early on, when things were not going well for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Who would you rather have right now? William Nylander or Johnny Gaudreau? I mean, Johnny Gaudreau, Hart Trophy consideration last year, big money obviously going from Calgary to Columbus, a guy who was thought of as one of the best wingers in the NHL. And yeah, there's maybe a little bit of, you know, cash a paycheck. There's a little bit of, well, this team is bad and it's dragging him down. But I'm watching William Nylander look twice as dynamic as Johnny Gaudreau. And Gaudreau had all the attention on the world on him at this time last year. And of course, uh, had that extend into the summer months as well like I feel like William Nylander is breaking into that group of the select few most dominant wingers in the NHL and maybe he's surpassed Johnny Gaudreau on the way this year yeah, throw throw line A into the mix there. You know, I know anybody didn't quite have him at the stratosphere that they had Goudreau last year, and rightfully so. The production hasn't hasn't been there, at least not since like the forty one goal season in his rookie campaign. But yeah, I think when you see when you see what you get out of Nylander on a night in night out basis, and being able to do it by himself, and that's what you're seeing right now. Like he's on a line with Yarncroke and and Kerfoot, and you know those guys work well as part of a piece. But Nylander has to be far and away, away the guy carrying the mail, and you just see how. Goudreau's been there in Columbus and all the talk is oh he doesn't have a center okay well William Nylander hasn't had one the last two games and he's been you know one of the better Leafs on the ice if not one of the Mm -hmm. better players in those games so yeah I'm uh I'm right there with you uh I have a little bit on bunting and then we got to talk chicken for a second anything else from tonight okay bunting this is where I'm very 
I'm very conflicted how to feel about this because they showed the moment in the He's broadcast. your guy. He's your guy. He is, he is my guy, okay? But I am willing to admit that he is not without fault in the way that he is perceived by NHL officials. But I cannot get over the fact of, I'm sorry, you're supposed to be the adult in the room, the guys with the stripes on. They showed the moment on the broadcast tonight where he was really screaming at the one ref, going back to the Boston game, and then, oh, lo and behold, he gets a call that he probably didn't love tonight, comes right out of the box, smacked in the face, gets taken down, no call right in front of the stripes. And the pushback I always hear when I complain about this, because I uh, I like to complain about the refs far too much for my own my own nature, for, or for my own mental health good. Definitely, I like to complain too much. But every <laughs> time the pushback I get is, well, what do you want? He's screaming in the ref's face all game. Of course, he's not going to get a call. That's their job. You're supposed to eat some of it. And I, I'm always conflicted as to how much, honestly, is that on bunting versus how much is that just a criticism of officials that we we just have to learn to live with. And I don't know which way to go on it, Justin. Okay, well, uh, you, you defended Michael Bunting a little bit there. I actually thought you were going to go completely against him no, because, never. I, I mean, the act is wearing thin, I think, a little bit. And it has to be at least with the officials. And I think we're seeing that. I'm not, like, it's, it doesn't have to be. It is. I, I think we can see that and make that determination that they're a little tired of it. I think teams are a little tired of it. I cannot believe someone has not just took it, taken matters in their own hands and punched him in the face a few times because he's at, he's literally asking for it, it seems, every night here, at least when things are going bad for the Maple Leafs. And you want that. You want that player on your team. It does help you most of the time. It helped you a lot last year. But this year, he's not getting the benefit of the doubt. And I think it's because of that deteriorating relationship with the officials. I mean, the book is out on him. It happens over and over and over again, and it's only human nature. I get that you have to be the adult in the room, but to a point, you just get so fed up, and you know that you're being duped sometimes. You know you're being uh, worked over when you don't necessarily or shouldn't necessarily be worked over in that moment, and you no longer give that player the benefit of the doubt. And I think if, like, if this continues to deteriorate, like if it gets worse and worse and worse, we were talking about eight-year contracts at the start of the year like, what's his relationship going to be like with the officials in eight years like is if it keeps going on this route it's going to be completely untenable and it might be untenable now because he does not get what he deserves because he took so much last year at least it seems and it should not work out that way but it kind of does work that way and that makes me a little bit nervous about what he's going to be like, what he's going to do, how effective he's going to be when the most important games met are, are, are on the table. Because, yeah, they needed the third period, and he was more harm than good in the third period, even if that wasn't necessarily just. Yeah, that's uh, that that's fair, and it's it's definitely part of maturing as a player. And I think that's the other part of it with Bunting is that you know we know he's so young in his NHL career, but I don't think we quite take the take into account the stratosphere leap it was in going from games that could never matter as a yote to games where everything matters and all the eyeballs are on him here here in Toronto. The other part of it that I wonder how much it plays in as well too is that it's the Leafs, and I don't mean that in oh they got their anti-Leafs bias. I mean look at the team. Does anyone else out there even speak? I mean, Mark Giordano yeah. will give a mean look from, from time to time. Austin Matthews uh, won't say boo unless it's Rasmus Dalin, and 
then he can't stand that guy, and he'll give you a cross-check <laughs> to the jibs. William Newander apparently learned how to do that tonight, which, quite honestly, I, was, I would love to see. But it's just, I do wonder how much of it is just that Bunting sticks out. He would stick out on any team he played on. But just look at that Columbus team. They got guys who are three, four guys in the scrum every time. Guys are woofing. Guys are talking. And it doesn't seem like, oh, my God, it's Gavrikov again, just to, or Corrali again, just to pick on a guy because they have two, three, four guys who, who do that on a basis. Whereas with the Leafs, it's pretty much just Michael Bunting and a bunch of mutes out there. Yeah, I mean, my jaw hit the floor when Nylander turned around and swung oh his my. elbow at, at Blankenberg there. But it wasn't as bad as it looked. And no. I guess they did see that on the replay and made the right call. Uh, but yeah, I think you're bang on with Michael Bunting. Like, it's his job and it's exclusively his job to play that role where you're standing up for teammates verbally. You're standing up for teammates physically. You're having to do a lot and wear all of that on your shoulders. And I do think that is somewhat unfair and puts him in somewhat of a compromising situation. But there's really no way around it, at least how this team is comprised at this moment. So I think maybe like, oh, that's your job and you're doing your job really well. We appreciate it, Michael. So keep doing that job. And now it's maybe extending a little too far where... The expectation is is gone to a place where it probably shouldn't be, and it needs to be toned down just a little bit, I think, for it to still be effective. And I think I think that's where we're at right now uh, with Michael Bunting and everything that he has to do beyond being a top six winger for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, oh yeah, we also forgot about that part. Uh, you need him to be a, a 60-ish point guy and uh, the guy who... And a nice tuck the- tonight, a nice tuck tonight. Like that should have right. been, been what we're talking about if, if the Leafs did their job defensively over the latter two periods. Yeah, that's uh, that's all uh, very true. All right, uh, I'm happy we mentioned the Nylander thing because, yeah, him uh, butt-ending a guy in the chin, although, again, didn't look quite as bad when you actually slowed it down. It's like, oh, he just kind of punched him a little. And, again, I'll take that from Nylander. It's just, yeah. It wasn't quite the uh, the maiming and murdering it was made out to be uh, at, at at first blush. Uh, that, that's, another leaf, that's another Leaf trend, though. It's like kind of yes. miss... When the aggression does come out, it's a little bit sloppy. It's a little yeah. misplaced. <laughs> like, they don't know exactly how to do it, and that's kind of what we saw. But I think he did, like, lay up just enough for that not to be a complete disaster in five minutes and maybe more uh, from the Department of Player Safety. Yes, uh, you don't want anything to uh, to do with that. Uh, what did you think when we saw the Chikrin news? Uh, kudos to the Coyotes. I think that's the first time I've ever said that sentence for just coming out and saying, yeah, we're going to trade him, okay? Uh, maybe not tonight, maybe not tomorrow, but that's why he's not playing and he's in the lineup. So love the transparency there. Did you have visions of a uh, Sandine and Nyes or however or, or whatever it would take? I got to be honest, I was kind of off Twitter, not really paying attention. Mm. And then right Old before school. right before uh, uh, 32 Thoughts came on in the second intermission, I saw a little buzz. Like everyone's like, okay, here we go. Let's see it, Elliot. Or let's hear it, Jeff. Uh, and, I, and so I was like, oh, something's going on with Chikrin. And then right when he says it, it's like, no Leafs, no Oilers. But hey, the Kings didn't really give me much of an answer. And then he explains why he thinks maybe they didn't give much of an answer. And I'm like, oh, Jacob Chikrin's going to the Kings. They just don't want to do it tonight because it's Dustin Brown's night and they don't want people talking about Jacob Chikrin on Dustin Brown's night. So I would be like, I'm just expecting him now to be a member of the LA Kings. And I think if I was on Twitter earlier, I might've been expecting that to be a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs, which would have been an exciting thing to talk about on this podcast. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna just ask this for you uh, because you know you'll have a lot to talk about Monday with with Ailish Super Bowl and everything there. But if if chaos rules the day, which it always should, I would like Sean Dursey to be part of a Jacob Chikrin trade just to see what the reaction inside the uh, the fan base would would be there on that one, and just to see how lopsided the Coyotes Maple Leafs rivalry could continue to yes. be with Sean Dursey <laughs> being a part oh, of it. Right. That's right. Yeah, he would. I think they'd have to name him captain there, uh, and then he would get booed the one time a year he uh comes to town all right uh Leafs fall not the result we wanted not the game we wanted quite frankly give give us a little more life on a Saturday night uh anything else from you Cuthbert before we get out of here uh just I mean Eric Carlson was another point uh of conversation on 32 thoughts uh and his connection to the Oilers I mean please can we please yeah, see that honestly I, w- I want nothing more than Eric Carlson to be dealt and if he gets dealt to a team that has Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on it I will be the happiest person going prior to the deadline that would be so much fun to watch that I want to see him liberated and I want to see the Oilers playing with a guy like Eric Carlson that'll be so much fun I am totally here for that. Uh, the slight amendment I would make to your wishes, I would very much like to see Eric Carlson traded to a team in the conference he already plays in. Got enough studs in the East, okay? Or, or the Leafs. Or the Leafs. I mean, oh, that's well, my yes. that's my yes. white whale guy. I mean, I, if I could if I could pluck anyone from any team to play in the Toronto Maple Leafs, it'd be Eric Carlson. So just get him out of San Jose, please. Yes, free the man, free the man. Uh, I didn't like watching him play for the Senators all those years ago, uh, but I would like to see him play in a game that matters at least one more time uh, in, in his NHL career. Uh, that was Leafs talk tonight. Gunning and Cuthbert, who knows who, who will be back with you Wednesday when the fellas are back. I imagine that one will be on YouTube. Check it out on Sportsnet now as well. Uh, that's the Leafs at home to the Blackhawks on Wednesday. Leafs falling tonight, uh, not the result they wanted in the back half of the rare home-and-home home series against Columbus. So the guys will be back having you covered after the after the final horn on Wednesday. That's when the Leafs are home to the Blackhawks. Thanks so much for listening to Leafs Talk.